4: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today.
5: Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and
4: me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
6: Second hour of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. We're looking at the Israel Hamas war, bringing you up to speed with all of the latest. Uh, there are is an effort underway to get aid into Gaza. There's uh, a massive humanitarian crisis unfolding there. The major Israeli uh, ground war against Hamas, which will occur in Gaza, has not yet kicked off. Um, but it could happen any day now. There's a lot that's still going on here and, and unresolved. And hour by hour, the picture is is changing. Um, Joe Biden here, this is, this is, uh, on Air Force One, and here he is, this is cut three, talking about what his goals are by going to the region. Play it.
5: When we took off, my goal was multifold, but basically to get humanitarian aid into Gaza, uh, and to, uh, and get as many Americans out who wanted to get out, could get out as possible. And uh so we got a commitment, as you know, from the uh, from uh, the Israelis, including their unanimous vote of their war cabinet and the prime minister. And uh the second thing was that uh I wanted to make sure there was a vehicle, a mechanism that this could happen quickly.
6: You know, one part of this clay that does not get um, much discussion or nearly enough discussion I think in in the uh, media about this is one the americans who have already been killed um, as well as the americans and uh, other hostages currently being held by hamas it seems that there may be uh, part of the of the pause here in the major groundwork could be related to negotiations around those hostages specifically it's likely that the palestinians are moving them around uh, so that it becomes very difficult for a a uh, rapid response raid to free them, uh, so they're likely moving some of them. We don't know that, but that's uh, in keeping with the practices of terrorist groups like this in the past, and we want to get some kind of resolution on this before, because once the war starts and buildings are being leveled and the missiles and the bullets are flying, those hostages, the chance of getting them out safely seems like it,
2: it diminishes dramatically. I don't understand why this isn't the number one story associated with Israel right now. And I was watching and I've been, and I know it's, it's tough, but if you are a parent, can you imagine, or a grandparent, but a parent in particular, can you imagine the 10 days of hell that you have been through knowing nothing about where your kids are, where your babies might be? To me, I was very surprised that Biden didn't make the focus of his trip to Israel the immediate release and return of all hostages. And even yesterday, we're in D.C. right now, just up the street, Palestinian and Hamas protesters took over the Capitol, demanding a ceasefire. I don't understand why the primary focus of everyone isn't these hostages. Because, Buck, as soon as Israel goes into Gaza, I think there's a very good chance that those hostages get killed. And, like, why did Biden not stand up and say directly into the cameras? Because there's talk that he's been meeting with Americans whose kids are being held hostage right now. We've got American citizens. We don't know how many, at least I haven't seen, but, you know, 10 or more that are being held hostage by Hamas right now, how was his primary statement when he was in Israel not, release these hostages immediately or we will rain down holy hell on you? And how is the focus the ceasefire when all of these hostages are still there? No one seems to be talking about them. Think about back in the Jimmy Carter, and this is buck was before you and I were around, but when Iran took Americans hostage, in the Jimmy Carter administration, I've at least studied that historically. I know a lot of you listening to us right now live through it. It was an obsession of the American media to get those hostages back. Think about how much talk we had about Brittany Griner when Russia took her over. Think about how much talk there's been about it, and I'm not justifying this in any way, but the reporter for the Wall Street Journal that Russia has taken in and refuses to release and charged with spying, Grishkovich. Yes. yes. How is there not... A similar obsession right now by American media on bring these hostages home. These are hundred percent innocent people, many of them young. I think, I think you're leading into something here that is, is very important because it
6: also goes to a lot of the mentality around how the media discusses this. It's, it's very hard for, uh, Western and particularly American media sources to play their moral relativity game and moral equivalency when there are Americans being held as hostages under threat of torture and murder by one side, Hamas, and another side that's ready to send in commandos to save them, get them medical care, and get them back to their families. That side is Israel. Yep. These are our people who are being held. These are Americans who are being held. There are Americans who have been killed And it is only by Hamas that these horrible things have happened. And Israel stands on the side of trying to get us back, any Americans, in harm's way. So I I think part of this is there's not as, you know, you're seeing so much focus on the, you know, the humanitarian concerns, the humanitarian concerns in Gaza. And we've talked about it. And, yes, that's Biden. This is part of the effort. But what about the fact that right now, Hamas, America is... A non-combatant in this, yes. at least officially. Hamas is holding some of our people and Hamas has killed some of our people. These are acts of war against the United States. Yes. So this is where it, it, it's, it's a, it's a different conversation even than what you have going on, uh, in Russia, Ukraine. We have our people in harm's way. Um, and I, I will say this Kamala Harris. This Kamala Harris uh soundbite, I wanted to play a few clay just because it, it is a reminder. Um she manages to eat at a time when the best thing she could probably do is just, just like say nothing and stay out of this. She manages to do this uh weak version of quasi solidarity with the Palestinian cause. Play nine.
5: As we have constantly made clear, our support for Israel's security is unwavering, and Israel has a right to defend itself from Hamas terrorists. And let us be clear, terrorism is never justified. And as I said yesterday, Israelis and Palestinians must have equal measures of security and prosperity. And I support the right of the Palestinian people to dignity, freedom, and self-determination.
6: Now, if those, those are just words, obviously, and if those words are to have any meaning, the Palestinian people will never have dignity, freedom, and self-determination while Hamas is their government. While a terrorist entity that is as, uh, hateful, sadistic, and immoral as any other jihadist terror entity out there is their official government.
2: Buck, 30, I think the number is 31. Staff can correct me if, if I'm wrong. I think it's 31 Americans are we now know were killed by Hamas. We, I have not seen the official number of how many Americans are being held hostage. But think about this, coming out of that ridiculous Kamala Harris soundbite where she's basically trying to play both sides, right? Hey, we love Israel, but we also love Palestine. I know there's good and evil here. Think about this. How much more attention did the fake allegation of Israel blowing up a hospital get compared to the amount of attention that 200 hostages that are still being held by Hamas have gotten. And I would just go back again. I, I think this is really interesting. We got a lot of media members out there that listen to this show. Think about the historical analogy when Iran took our people hostage in 1979, I think it was, and how much obsession there was with those American hostages. Those are grown adults. Who were in an embassy. I'm not saying that it wasn't serious. Some of you may have seen the movie Argo, uh, I think, which, which partly dealt with that, which is probably for young people, the way that they're more likely to know about this. But it was an obsession to get those people home. And Jimmy Carter basically Basically gambled
6: his presidency on the ability to get them home. And because of the, you know, sandstorm and the uh, helicopters in the desert, it, it turned into a, into a disaster. Um, but Clay, to your point about the hostage holding, um, militaries don't hold hostages, right? Military yeah. will hold prisoners of war. These are kids. These are, th- these are children. Yes. This is what terrorist groups do, right? This is a different thing. This is not people that are detained and who are being afforded Geneva Convention protections or anything else who are combatants. They have seized women and children and are using the threat of their murder in order to get leverage against the other side
2: and just think buck how often when we know a kid has been kidnapped in america the american news media goes all in i'm talking about stranger kidnappings right because a lot of the the debate about kids is mom and dad are in a dispute if you go look at uh at when kids go missing a lot of times it's a custody dispute but we just had was it up in new york where the little girl was on a, a bicycle in a state park i think it was new york state maybe it was pennsylvania but she was on the uh, the bicycle she got caught um and uh, kidnapped and they eventually managed to find her thank god i think she's i think she's okay but that story was everywhere and think about how i'm just just pointing this out think about how our media covered that one escaped prisoner in pennsylvania like it was an absolute necessity that that person be caught and it's one person have we even heard Detailed analysis of who from America, which American citizens are being held, how old they are, what their health status is. Where is the American media to advocate for these American prisoners? I haven't even heard very many politicians talk about it. Well, this is where, this is where it also goes
6: to the moral clarity with which everyone should be able to see this moment in time. Only one side here, Hamas, intentionally goes out of its way, plots to, and then celebrates the murdering of defenseless men, women, and children. Only one side in this conflict, Hamas, engages in the kidnapping of men, women, and children under the explicit threat of possible torture and murder of those individuals in order to gain leverage against the other side. This is not stuff that is hard for people to reason through and achieve some degree of moral clarity, and this is why when you know when Kamala Harris says, "Oh, I, I stand with the Palestinian people's desire for dignity and freedom," um, well, in this case, that means that Hamas has got to go, and and they're not going to go quietly. So the IDF is going to have to make them go.
2: By the way, back to Joe Biden. And by the way, production staff says thirty people, Americans that they know, are dead. Let me just ask you this question: There are thirteen Americans unaccounted for right now. Joe Biden went to Israel. Why didn't Joe Biden stand in front of the cameras and say, I'm not leaving Israel till the American citizens that Hamas is holding hostage right now are on the plane with me going back?
6: I will say this. If Donald Trump were president of the United States, I think the level of, you know, mess with me and find out that yeah. he would have specifically for those Americans being held yes. would be something that the uh, Palestinians would pay attention. To.
2: Would, wouldn't Buck, I mean, just for basic humanity, Biden claims that he cares so much because he's lost a son. I can't imagine anything hardly worse than your kids being held hostage by Hamas terrorists and you having no idea where they are, how healthy they are, what they're being, what they're having done to them over the last 10 days. As a dad, I I can't get past that. And I don't understand how Joe Biden could travel to Israel, who could do a full address. How does he not stare directly into the camera and say, "Hamas, listen to me carefully. Every American citizen should be released immediately." And they are going to be on the plane going back with me when I go back to the United States. Joe Biden flew to Israel and then got back on Air Force One, turned his back on all the American hostages that are there. And I haven't heard hardly anybody point out that he did that. Shouldn't the number one goal of an American president who travels to Israel be to return with every hostage that Hamas has taken? And how is every American politician not demanding this, too? I I just, The more I look at it and the more I read about it, it is every parent's worst nightmare to think about a young kid being kidnapped. But a young kid being kidnapped by a terrorist organization? How are Americans not focused on getting our people home? I mean, there should be
6: a clear message from Joe Biden that if anything happens to any Americans that are currently in custody, everyone in Hamas who has
2: anything to do with any of it We will hunt them down dead or alive. Yes. Why would, why would he not say that? I mean, I mean, this is, this is like basic stuff to me as, as the American president. Your job is to protect American citizens and also to send the message that you don't, gotta be careful. You don't screw with American lives. And he hasn't done it. He hasn't said it at all. What's going on? My pillow, look. Uh, they've got a brand new line of my towels for you to try out. These new towels, more absorbent, softer than ever. Uh, that's because new towels are made with cotton they found to check all the boxes. They're perfect. It's called Shapier. And look, I might have just said that wrong. I'm the worst at pronouncing things, so you guys can all deluge me with what was the other thing? Per cow that I couldn't say right. They were telling me how to pronounce it. Everybody's all fired up. I think it's Shapier. I, Shapier. I'm telling you, it's great. Uh, I'm not telling you that I'm pronouncing it right, but I'm telling you it's great. Uh, you can get a 29.98 six-piece towel set for an amazing introductory sale price. You can also get the designer premium line, just 20 bucks more. No matter what set you decide on, 50% in savings. To find the offer, go to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square to check out the new my pill my towel six-piece towel sets. Get 50% off in savings. Enter the promo code. Clay and Buck. You can also call 800-792-3269. Again, mypillow.com. Radio listener special square. 50% off. Clay and Buck is the code.
1: number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening
0: more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia
1: he has the smarts of vito the temper of sunny
5: Rappaport's reality, the reality a of bit. us. We're a figuring bit.
4: <laughs> out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. It, it, would Ooh, a, it would have been The been podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn.
5: Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And
4: me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
6: Welcome back, everybody. To Clay and Buck, 800-282-2882 on the phone lines. Um... We have some folks who I think are, are increasingly recognizing the uh, the reality as it is playing out here in the Middle East and with Israel uh, in its war against Hamas. And uh, as I've been saying, some of the Democrat leadership is very clear on who they are backing in this one. Listen to what Chuck Schumer has to say about the incorrect reporting about the hospital bombing. Play 17.
7: Now there's there's proof put out by the Israelis
4: that the rocket, of course, was not from Israel, but rather was from one of the Palestinian
7: groups that works with Hamas. And this is what Israel's up against. Israel didn't put out a statement immediately because they were checking it. They wanted the truth. Hamas immediately said, oh, the IDF did it. They lied through their teeth. And, you know, for six hours, the world blamed Israel unfairly. Now the word is getting out. and I think all of us have an obligation to get that proof out. That the IDF showed
6: about that Schumer speaking sense Fetterman speaking sense again this is my point on this Clay there's a a wing of the Democrat party that is anti-semitic and insane but generally the Democrat party is pretty, Consistent on support for Israel, certainly from the leadership ranks.
2: Look, I I I praised. I never thought I would do it. If you had told me that I was ever going to say something positive about John Fetterman, I wouldn't have believed it. He's 100 right on Israel, and Chuck Schumer is 100 right on this. And I would just follow up by saying, Why can't they be right on other things? Well, that would be great. But why can't they be right on getting our hostages out? Yeah. I mean, have you even heard an American politician say? Like the idea that Biden would fly to Israel, I'm just talking, if I were an American parent and Hamas had me, had my kids, I would lose my mind. The men and
6: women in our military choose to enlist. That decision is theirs, and we're 100% grateful for their dedication and sacrifice for our country. When they've completed their service and re enter the job market, they face challenges. It's a tight job market. Cost of living is also a constant concern. That's why I'm so happy to see a private company like Pure Talk offer them assistance. They'll donate a portion of the proceeds toward alleviating $10 million in veteran debt by Veterans Day on November 11th. After just one week, they're 27% of the way there, but they need your help. Switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. You'll sacrifice nothing in the way of quality, and you'll probably save as much as $1,000 a year. Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just dial pound 250, say the keyword Clay and Buck, and make the switch. Let's show unwavering support for our veterans. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck, and make the switch to Pure Talk. Could the right a third-party candidate be the difference in 2024? And could that mean the difference as to whether or not we have a democracy anymore? Um, Meaning, will Trump win? Will he not win? Or... How is this all going to play out? We wanted to look into some of this a little bit because here's the thing. Generally 30, sorry, 30 party candidates, third party candidates fly uh, under the radar, but they can have a major impact. The one that people think of as having the biggest impact in the past was when Ross Perot ran. Um, and I still to this day must admit that I, when I think of Ross Perot, Dana Carvey, Impersonating Ross Perot was what comes into my mind. Like I can't actually picture Ross that. was Ross when Perot SNL was, was in there. Was in its absolute house. sweet spot. They were spot. great. Yeah. Um, Dana Carvey, I think still one of the most talented and, and kind of underrated actually, uh, most talented comedians of his era. So uh, why are we talking about this then? Well, because it could matter a whole heck of a lot. According to, uh, recent polling, uh, an NBC news poll in just the last month or so, Almost 15% of registered voters right now say that they would, they would vote for a third party or independent candidate if one was on the ballot. Almost 15% of registered voters. Now 15% doesn't necessarily sound like a huge number until you realize this election based on all the data you can see is going to come down to probably two or 3% at most of registered voters. Right. So the swing in that possible 15 percent is really substantial um we could start there are there are two candidates who uh we can get into a little bit here one is uh cornell west who is a professor at princeton and uh somebody who he just got a maximum campaign donation clay uh, this was yesterday from republican mega donor Harlan Crow let's talk about West for a second he's a, he's a a a far left guy a self-proclaimed non-marxist socialist that's interesting um he is somebody who i would like to see certainly on every democrat you know on every ballot rather in states where it's going to be close between democrats and republicans to the point where i think republicans would be well suited to help
2: yeah professor west I would donate to him if I, if, if I, if you're listening to us right now, uh, and you want the Republican to win, I think you want Cornell West on as many ballots in as many states as possible. And I was hitting on the Zogby poll earlier in the four way race, Trump wins outright, uh, the majority of the vote, uh, for, well, not the majority of the vote. Nobody gets the majority, but he gets the, uh, the, 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 the majority of the overall, uh, tally 43 to 42, RFK Jr. gets 13, Cornell West gets 4. And I believe we have audio now of RFK Jr. Now, this is from July, Buck, uh, of him saying that he would support reparations to a certain degree, uh, which I think it's important for this audience to hear because we've had him on. I would have him on again. I think it's important for you guys to hear from a variety of different candidates. And RFK Jr. is right on covid but man, is he wrong on reparations? Listen to this.
7: I would be against cash if there was no other. If there was no other issue, I would be against cash payment reparations. But the word "reparation" means repair, and you know, I grew up in a Jim Crow, and I saw this was not just the the injury did not end with slavery, the injury and the deliberate suppression, the institutionalization of poverty in black neighborhoods is uh systematic it's systemic and it it uh and it continues today in a million different ways mm. and we need to rebuild the, the uh, black communities and and so that you know my approach to doing that would be to do it in a way that i think is going to be most effective which is what we did at bedside we created what we call the community development corporation there, and it is now the model for hundreds of community development corporations around the country because it works. And that it, it's it's less likely to contribute to the polarization between blacks and whites because it benefits everybody, everybody, even uh, people who are Trumpers, who I see all the time because I represent them in lawsuits against big polluters. If you talk about business laws to black communities, everybody's for it. Everybody wants business to work and to flourish. And so for me, that would be my approach.
6: Now, there are a lot of problems with this. Um, Not not specifically even what he's saying, just the notion of reparations. Once you start doing that, anybody should understand you're never going to. the, The calls for it will never stop. There's never going to be enough. You can't actually write a check of any kind so to speak to make up for the evils of slavery and you you can't um do you can't do these things without also inherently um advantaging people today who were not disadvantaged by these historical uh systems and uh also disadvantaging people today who had nothing to do with those historical systems how would you actually determine who gets these reparations to what degree? Um, what is that what are the qualifying factors? They've started to look into some of this stuff in California. And I'll just point out what happened in California is Gavin Newsom kept saying, yeah, you know, let's just like look at reparations, man. I'm, I'm all about justice. I'm all about it. And then it came down to this is going to cost like more than the entire budget of the state of California. I forget what the number was. It was some crazy number. And he's like, well, I mean, I don't like Justin that much.
2: (laughs) Well, and what's crazy about California in particular, Buck, is the state of California never had slavery. So the entire history of the state of California, slavery was never legal. And I think the population is – I think only 6 or 7% of California is black. So you're not even talking about a state that has a large black population – and what they proposed in reparations would have bankrupted the state of California. $800 billion dollars is what the initial, uh, California
6: group here that was, it was $1.2 million per black resident. $800 billion according to thehill.com here. That's, that's a
2: lot of money for a state. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And also to your point, you end up in a super racist place when you try to figure out how to pay reparations because, I mean, let's be honest. Well, what happens if you have a black father and a white mother? Correct. No, I mean, okay. seriously. No, no. Or an
6: Asian dad and a, and a black uh, mom or, you know,
2: go down the list. And basically. also, I mean, what happens when your family was uh, not in the United States at a time of slavery, which is a huge percentage of people – who yeah. have come in from Nigeria, for instance.
6: Or, you know, a Romanian immigrant who's been trying to like save up for his family so he can get that first starter home. He's gonna be told, you know what? A portion of your taxes is gonna have to go to this massive
2: bill for reparations for something that you had absolutely, absolutely nothing to do. And with. was it? affirmative action ostensibly reparations yes. and isn't the great society programs
6: and all of these massive government institutions of spending of welfare wasn't that all supposed to Correct. have the function of bringing you know eliminating poverty in the black community and in fact the programs of lyndon johnson and the continuation of the expansion nation and, and continuity you just look at the numbers yep. You look at black family formation in 19 say the 1950s and then you look at it today and the rates of out of wedlock births have absolutely skyrocketed the uh, the levels of state dependence have absolutely skyrocketed these programs of the government coming in and giving people money to make things better because of historical injustice have overwhelmingly been failures and now there's enough distance uh, between a lot of these events of the past that people just say, this is outrageously unfair. Why, why am I being penalized for something that I, I wasn't even alive during?
2: Yeah. I mean, the data reflects Thomas Sowell's done a great job, uh, breaking all this down that from the time slavery ended in 1865 to 1960, black families were increasing their overall success in the country at an exponential rate. And then as soon as the great society started to your point, Buck, you went from most black kids growing up in two parent households where a mom and a dad were present and there was a support structure, which I understand there's lots of great single parents out there listening to us right now. Doesn't mean that your kids are going to struggle individually, but I mean, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama were both uh, ended up president of the United States from one parent households, but as a group, Children do infinitely better in two-parent households than they do in one-parent households. And the kids who do the worst in one-parent households, boys, for whatever reason, they can't figure out what the data reflects. Maybe boys need a father figure more than girls do in single-parent households. But boys are the biggest deficient performers when it comes to one-parent households. So what is the data now? I think 80% or more of all black kids are born into single-parent households right now. And that is one of the primary ways to ensure that as a group, again, not on an individual level, a lot of great single parents out there, but on a group, two-parent household success rates are infinitely higher. And there's this very important government principle of
6: once you spend money on something to achieve a result and you don't get that result, you know what the government wants? More money. Yeah. Every time. It's not like, oh, there would be some reparations bill and that would be the end of it. There would be some form of reparations, whether it's funding for business grants or whatever it is that, you know, RFK Jr. was talking about in specifics. It would not have the intended effect. It would not close the gap. And then they would say, we need more money. Yeah. Guaranteed.
2: No, no doubt. Uh Look, if Florida in December sounds appealing, put Tampa on your calendar December 1st through the 3rd. That's when the Invest Wealth Summit's happening with Buck himself along with Dutch Paul Tucker Carlson Lisa Booth many others Dutch, the co-founder and CEO of Rad Diversified, president of the Alternative Investment Association. If you want to learn how to create financial freedom, security for your future, then you need to be at this event, the Invest Wealth Summit. Get your tickets online at investwealthsummit.com today. Learn how to diversify your portfolio without relying solely on Wall Street. Explore alternative investments, gain access to unique opportunities and hidden gems. Uncover untapped potential in real estate startups and innovative technologies. Learn how to to reduce your tax burden and so much more come to Tampa dutch buck tucker lisa booth many more expand your investment horizons and secure your financial future with your seat at investwealthsummit.com today need a break from politics a little comedy to counter the craziness so do we The Sunday Hang, a weekend podcast to lighten things up a bit. Find it in the Clay and Buck podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Jack Armstrong, he's Joe Getty, we're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.
0: More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
1: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny.
4: Welcome back in, play Travis, Buck Sexton show.
2: Uh, Senator Josh Hawley is going to be in studio with us next hour. We're going to break down, I think, probably some of the legal wrangling surrounding the Sidney Powell decision to plead guilty. What do we think is going to happen there? The ongoing drama surrounding the House speakership, all that and more. But, Buck, there's one battle that I never would have had on the scorecard, and I appreciate the fact that it is continuing And it is current Jets quarterback who is injured with a torn Achilles tendon, Aaron Rodgers. Every time he has an opportunity to, when he goes on ESPN, this is Pat McAfee's show, he is teeing off on Dr. Fauci. I will tell you this, Buck. Here's a prediction. Soon, if it hasn't already happened, and it's hard to keep up with all the opinions uh, getting bouncing around every single day, there is going to be a massive push to not allow Aaron Rodgers to go on ESPN because he made fun of Travis Kelsey, called him Mr. Pfizer. Travis Kelsey, tight end, who's dating Taylor Swift. That's how a lot of people know him. For the Kansas City Chiefs that's been doing all these ads for the COVID shot. I think we mentioned on the show this week, if we did not, only 2% of the American public is getting the COVID shot. And, Buck, I don't know the new version, whatever it's called. I don't know if you've paid attention to it. Pfizer stock is actually down $175 billion in market cap as Wall Street is suddenly realizing, wait a minute, these COVID shots aren't going to be a yearly annuity like we thought because Americans aren't getting them. And I would even tell you, I think Pfizer might go bankrupt if we hadn't given, as a country, Pfizer immunity on these COVID shots because I think people would be suing them like crazy. Uh, just like we've seen with the opioid lawsuits and everything else. And I think based on the failure of these shots and the fact that so many people have received negative results from the shots with virtually no protection being given, I think there's a good chance that Pfizer would be on the ropes as a company. But regardless, it's now Pfizer stock, Buck, lower priced than before COVID ever started. They had a spike up. December of twenty one, it peaked in value. The company did on its market cap basis. It's down fifty percent since then, as people are realizing, yeah, this COVID shot thing's basically giving up the ghost. Nobody's getting it.
6: I bet if you were to track which insiders sold stock and when, I think a lot of them realized that the time was good when the mandates were in place and everything else. There were some stories specifically about Moderna executives. Because I don't believe Moderna had even ever had a product brought to market before the COVID vaccine. I think that's true. I, I don't. That's uh, a great question. And, and so I don't think they had ever actually brought something all the way to market. You know, it's very expensive and very complicated to bring a new pharmaceutical forward. It costs you know, billions of dollars in R&D and the tra- FDA trials and all that stuff. Um, but I bet that the people at Pfizer, um they've already made their, you know, the people that were on the inside that had a lot of stock, I think they've already made their cash.
2: The point that you're the mansion section, I think it was of the Wall Street Journal, wrote in Boston about all the executives who had spent tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, often of your taxpayer money, on extreme luxury properties. But here is Aaron Rodgers, by the way, taking a shot at Dr. Fauci. Listen to this yesterday or Tuesday on ESPN
6: This guy does stuff his own way. He actually defies science. This guy, right here, right now—that's what they're saying about you. Shannon Sharp said this morning.
5: If, if, like we learned, if science is Dr. Fauci, you're damn right I'm defying science. (laughs) Okay,
6: that's on me.
2: If science is Dr. Fauci, is what Aaron Rodgers said. You're damn right I'm defying science. Isn't it
6: fascinating that there's still this animosity toward people who? were, you know, went rogue, so to speak, against Fauciism and refused to get the shot. Isn't it fascinating that as we look at this, people are, they they still treat them like they, what they did was reckless, even though what we now know is that they were right. Of course, we've known that for a long time, but they were correct, but they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't go along. They wouldn't do as they were
2: told. And that still upsets the Fauci brigades. I'm just telling you, file this one away. There will be a massive push, I think, in the weeks and months ahead to keep Aaron Rodgers from being allowed to go on to ESPN weekly because of his taking the shots at the COVID uh the COVID shot. And by the way, Taking shots at shots. Yeah. There's nobody actually getting this thing. Can we talk about ninety eight percent of Americans are saying no to this shot.
6: I wonder when when we will cross the threshold where it will suddenly become okay to say in any venue in any place, these are pretty much worthless. Because if, if it stays at about 2% of the population that gets this, yes. then it's clearly a niche product at best. Or at best for people that want a little extra protection if they're immunocompromised and they're not sure how well it will work. But when you see them making jokes about this on uh, you know whatever's left of SNL, that's when you know that the tides have turned. No doubt. What's going
2: on in the house? We'll talk about it next.